Good morning and welcome to the story behind our success. I am Rebecca Rouse, your host and head lizard at Neon Lizard Creative Marketing and Design, where we build foundational brands with social impact. Find us on the web at neonlizardcreative.com. Let's get started. Good morning and welcome to The Secret Behind Our Success. I am Rebecca Roush, your host and head lizard at Neon Lizard Creative Marketing and Design, where we build rock star foundational brands with social impact. Find us on the web at neonlizardcreative.com. Grab your notepad. You're not going to want to miss the thing. Today, straight from the UK, the infamous Gav Gillibrand. Rebecca, thank you very much. I like the intro. I'm glad to be on here on the show. Thank you. Gav is an online help and weight loss coach who has helped hundreds of busy people from all over the world to lose incredible amounts of weight. He's helped them improve their health, their fitness, plus helped them keep laser sharp focus. And I have to say, you had me at focus because I'm a little ADD. (laughs) So I can't tell you how much we appreciate you being here. And I can't wait to hear more about how you've got these proven tactics for healthy living. Yeah, I'm ready to ready to share whatever you need to hear. Share, baby, share. Start talking. Yeah, I will. How'd you get started? How, um, well, it's a long story. I mean, I'll take it. We want me to take it right back. I'll take it all the way back. Okay, we're doing it. Fourteen, fifteen. I, uh, before that, I was always into all sports with a racket, with a ball. Sports have just been my whole life. When I got to 14, 15, just before doing my exams in high school, um, over in the UK, we do this work experience. I'm sure you do something similar where you go into like a, a place of business, like a, a bank. or Yeah, okay. So similar sort of thing. And um, I was just discovered bodybuilding. This is the late 80s, mid to late 80s. And I just got into doing weights and stuff. And I said, I want to go and work in a gym. I didn't know that it was a thing. And then at the same time, Madonna was coming over to the UK and she was famously seen running around Hyde Park with two big burly type bouncer stroke personal trainers, their personal trainer emblazoned across their T-shirt. I remember thinking, is that a thing? You could become a celebrity personal trainer. I didn't know that. What that's what it was. But that was always my goal. I said, I want to be a personal trainer to the stars. You know, I was in love with Madonna secretly. Um, <laughs> She doesn't know that. She never got to meet me. I, she might hear it now. May call she you might up. hear it now. She might hear it now. So um, <laughs> she didn't. I was I was obsessed with Madonna when I was 15 or 16. And um, <laughs> You I and every I, other 15-year-old boy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she, that's when, when she was good and she wasn't an old lady trying to be 20 still. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Madonna. I still love you. Um, so I saw these bouncers walking around. I thought, okay, you know, being a personal trainer to the stars is a thing. Um so I went and did this work experience in this local gym. And this is a true story. There was a guy, I was sort of 15, 14, 15, 16. There was a guy, maybe 23, 24, really tall, good looking, with a ponytail and a leotard. Now, we won't hold that against him. But he, was, he had about 40 women eating out of the palm of his hand, doing a teaching, <laughs> a, teaching a step aerobics class. Yeah. And I remember thinking, that is cool. I want to do what he does. You know, he's got all these women looking up to him. He was, I w- literally watched him for an hour. I thought, that is just cool. I just found the environment that I want to be in. So I did my exams and I was due to go to university. Um, about six months before going to university to do sports science, to, to train in what I'm doing now, three years of my degree, I'd seen this advert. Um, well, sorry, I was working part time in a gym. 
And in the staff room, there was an advert or like a, a pin up, someone had pinned something up on the wall, an advert for Blind Date to go on the show. Now, back in 1993 now, that was the closest thing we've got to reality TV. It was it was the number one show in the UK, Saturday night. If you weren't watching Blind Date, you you didn't have a life. Everyone watched that show. Like, and bear in mind, in the UK, back in the, the 90s, we only had four channels. I'm not exaggerating. We had BBC One, BBC Two, ITV, and Channel Four. So this was ITV's primetime Saturday night, 17 million people. So I went and auditioned for this show. When I went to the first audition, I said, what can I say? I'm, I'm 18 years old. What can I say that to ensure that I get picked to go on the show? And the, the show was a girl would pick, would answer, ask these three questions, and there'd be three guys behind the screen. You, you've had, I think they called it something else in the States. We called it the dating game. Okay, there you go. So I was one of the guys. She picked me, and I won. That's another story. But So I bullshitted my way on. I told them I was a stripper. I basically made it up, but it was only a half a white lie because about six weeks before this audition, I'd actually been for an audition to be a stripper or stripper gram, we call them over there here. You know, the guy that would turn up at a bachelorette party, dance around and, you know, you know, like a fireman's costume or a policeman's outfit or back then in the 80s or the 90s, it was the it was the white officer and a gentleman, you know, the Richard Gere. That was just, that's what the ladies liked. So I was I would. I'd been for the audition, but I hadn't, <laughs> hadn't had the job. Um, bullshitted my way onto the show, won the show. Um, by now, by the time the show was aired, I'd got to university and I'd started working part-time doing these strips at a weekend. And it was, you know, I was 18, 19 years old, just started university. And I was making, it was like a, a couple hundred bucks, you know, per job, maybe three or four of these at the weekend. So it was amazing cash in hand for a young 19-year-old great fun it, it was just brilliant like meeting lots of girls it was just a fantastic <laughs> part i just be honest you know it was a fantastic part-time little gig um fast forward to the end of my degree two year, two weeks before i was about to graduate this is a true story as well i was about to hand in my ten thousand word dissertation well i say i was about to hand it in i needed to start and finish it within two weeks and a friend of mine who had actually taken over my part-time gig as a strippergram had started working with the UK's equivalent to the Chippendales. Remember the Chippendales back in the 90s, yeah, 80s and 90s, the, the biggest group, their equivalent. And he called me up and he said, Gav, we've got a 12-week tour in Europe kicking off in two weeks' time. Um, and then we need one extra guy. And look, I know that you can do the job. You're the right man for it. I said, when do you need to know by? He said, by today. I said, I've got this 10,000 word dissertation. What am I going to do? He said, come on, are you in or out? I said, okay, I'm in. So I dropped my degree. Mum and dad, if you're ever watching this, I apologize. I'm not going to go back and do that degree 25 years later, but I told you I would at the time. So that was the start of a career from 1996 uh, sort of 93 part-time, 96 until 2008 and even 2010, full-time career in the stripping and entertainment industry. So there you go. So that was my first part. So only then when I moved to London, aged, aged 35 in 2008, do I then get back into what I'm doing now, which is weight loss, nutrition, coaching. So I, I kind of had, although this is what I was 
planning to do even from a very young age of 15 it took me until 20 years later to actually work full-time in this industry so I kind of I came in the back route but um you know what those 20 years of doing what I was doing before has made me better at what I am today because of those experiences well plus you probably got some really killer moves I've got and some killer moves healthy all that time it's kept me very healthy um you know what was interesting? Did you see the film Magic Mike with Matthew I'm McConaughey? I pretend I did. Yes. Right. Okay. So uh, you uh, after this podcast, go and watch Magic Mike. Yes, That's your homework, Rebecca. That's, um, make it the movie. Yeah, it's very lighthearted. Um, it's quite good fun. Um, but that was actually quite a true um, depiction of what it, what the industry was like. Because I remember a lot of the guys we spoke and we said, you know, that was it wasn't unsimilar to what that industry was like uh, for a while. So I don't know if put it I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing, but it was quite similar. Um, but there you go. So Magic Mike for a long time. Um, and I have to admit, I, I came to London, although I got back into what I was trained to do and was using my brain instead of everything else. I, I honestly I came to London with my tail between my legs because secretly when I was doing all the stripping, I was auditioning for TV, uh, for, for films. I, I was like a part-time bit actor and, you know, little bits of modeling, little bits of walk on TV with a view to maybe potentially making it big and becoming, you know, Hollywood, whatever. Obviously, I'm not trained as an actor. I don't look like Brad Pitt and I'm only five for eight. So the chances of me becoming a leading movie star was slim. But... You know what? It was the back of my mind. So it didn't happen. So I came to London. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to have to go and work for a living now. Um, <laughs> and But so that was my career. That was my transition from stripping into what I do now, which is very serious and helping people lose a lot of weight. That's great. Now, we've all dieted, right? I mean, I've been on every diet coming and going. And, you know, there's fat loss specialist and transformational coach. How is that different than the biggest loser? Did you ever see that show back in the yeah we, we've, we've got that we've got the biggest loser here in the uk yeah, as well where yeah they get in their face and they yell at them and they you know yeah. at them and stuff like that and what do you do differently you make a well what, you, what you've got to realize is um remember that's it's sort of tv shows so we're trying they're trying to emote trying to invoke emotion so them screaming at someone like drill sergeant and obviously they're working with a very niche clients so a lot of those clients are 300 400 pounds plus so they're not although in america You've got a lot of big problem with obesity, um, but they're not the average client that I work with. I do work with a lot of people that are, you know, 270, 280, 300 pounds. But most of the people I work with are typically age 40 to 55. That's when we're um, spreading. Yeah, pr- professionals, um, CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners that have maybe been fit when they were in their 20s and they've maybe had two or three kids life's got in the way they've spent a lot of time making a lot of money building their company um and they want to lose 30 to 40 pounds that's kind of my like my so like most people that we know really you know um and the difference between what i do obviously i'm i'm completely remote so all my coaching is done via zoom online and what i focus on is not necessarily telling them what to do is empowering them to make better choices when it comes to food because what i've realized is that the mechanical side of losing body fat rebecca is very very simple you eat fewer calories than you burn that's how you lose body fat and you move your body three four times a week you exercise so it's control your diet and exercise now mechanically everyone knows that even someone that's 400 pounds they know what to do 
So the hard bit behind losing weight and why most people try, fail, try, fail, lose some weight, gain it, why most people across the world, why they don't get the results is because they don't fix what's going on in there. So the psychological aspect of losing body fat is, is 10 times harder than the physical side. We know at 10 p.m. when you had a long day, you're a bit emotional. If you open that fridge, you're going to pick the wrong choices. We all know that we probably shouldn't eat that, like most, like all of us, including me. But we do it, even though we're like, this feels great, but I'm going to go to sleep and have a bad night's sleep in the morning when I feel guilty. And I'm trying to lose weight and I've just broken my diet. So the psychological triggers, the emotions, the self-limiting beliefs around food and what it does for us, because we all love food. If you think about food, it's the only drug, and I say drug because it's not, there's no individual things addictive. Food itself is can be quite, cause addictive behaviors. It's the only addictive substance that we have to have as humans. If you think about cocaine, cigarettes, alcohol, there's none of that we like them, some people do, but we don't have to have them to survive, but we have to eat food. So it's like giving an alcoholic, just have one line of Coke, but don't have the whole gram. <laughs> One small donut. One, just have two beers, but don't have twenty. Like it doesn't work. You either you either abstain entirely. So with food, we've got to give people enough food to stay alive, but not too much so they get gain weight. So the difference between shouting in someone's face is I don't tell them what to do. I show them. Let's look at your behaviours. Let's work on your triggers. Let's look at why. When someone's got four hundred pounds, someone's four hundred pounds. Let's use the biggest loser. I don't ask them, you know, what did they do? I ask them what happened. Because most people that have got an extreme amount of weight to lose have had some serious trauma when they were a child or or adult or more. And I won't go into the details, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so it's it's comfort, self-harm, being safe, control, all these things. And they're all attached to a lot of other heavy stuff that goes on someone look when someone's 400 pounds and they're still gorging themselves on the food it's like an alcoholic drinking 20 bottles of beer and they know they're going to die of liver disease yet they're still doing it it's a serious addiction so i'm not always working with people that far gone because that's another kettle of fish but food itself is quite emotive um so I'm getting great results and I get I, on average, most people lose between 20 and 30 pounds in 12 weeks. And I say that that is not some marketing spiel that is genuine. Like if someone doesn't lose 20 pounds on my program, if they've got 20 pounds to lose, I have to look at what's gone on and I look at myself. So I pride myself on helping people a lot, of lo- a lot of, I lose a lot of weight, but more importantly, keep it off. There's no point losing 30 pounds if you can't sustain it and maintain it on your own. So yeah. Do I'm going to breathe now and let you speak because that was a big, <laughs> big, long diatribe I'll there. I'll give you a minute it? to get, get your oxygen. Yeah, give me a, me... <laughs> That's great. Um, my question would be, too, do you use any kind of hypnosis since you're so into the psychology portion of it? Are you possibly using a hypnosis? I don't go down, down that route, no. I mean, it's, it could be very, very powerful. In fact, I'm sure it is, but it's not something that I've touched on. I'm not trained in that, and I don't know a huge amount about that. But I'm sure if someone's got real issues, real, um, uh, you know, such a bad relationship with food, it, and that would definitely be um, a tool in the arsenal, but it's not something that I've used myself. 
Yeah, I did. A, I was uh, listening to some weight loss hypnosis sleep sounds, and I had the craziest evil dreams you would not believe. <laughs> like, whoa, that was no, I don't think I'm going to do that. So I got a question. Were your parents super fit people? Did they model this beautiful life for you? And that's why you got in partly why you got into it? Or um, was it the opposite? Not, not, you know, not, not my mom. Yeah, my dad. My dad was obsessed by sport. So as far back the earliest memories I was kicking a ball with my dad playing um football and by the way it's football not soccer I'm joking um but that was it was brought up on football cricket another game you guys don't play um anything with a ball tennis squash every sport um the problem was I was I was quite good at a lot of sports I wasn't brilliant at one Mm -hmm. so I I was like no I want to do this I want to do that so I just got quite good at everything but it was at 1415. I think I picked up um, a bodybuilding mag and I'd seen Arnold Schwarzenegger in Pumping Iron. And I remember just being fascinated. In fact, I'll take it back. Remember the remember the Hulk, Lou Ferrigno, yes. back in the yeah. late 70s, early 80s, David yeah. Banner and all that, yeah? Um, I remember seeing the Hulk and my earliest memories, that I went to a fancy dress party and I said to mum, I want to be the Hulk. And I've got these pictures still in an old family album. So this was... You know, I was five or six, so we're looking at 78, 79, um, and I'm in this, like, torn uh, green T-shirt, you know, with jags and green paint, and I remember just doing, at the camera. (laughs) So I remember seeing Lou Ferrigno and being obsessed, like, can a man actually look like that, you know, with the muscles? And ever since then, um, I just wanted to be in shape. So for me, I remember being at 15, even 14, mum would cook dinner, um, and I remember going, oh, mum, there's quite a lot of fat in that. There's too, too many carbs. I'm going to cook something else. So I remember cooking, like, healthy version. I wanted to get brown bread instead of white bread when before everyone ate brown bread, and you know, in the 70s and 80s. So health has always been my thing. So it was, um, it's been quite an easy um, – it's not something – I feel very grateful that I have because I know a lot of people that – didn't have that upbringing where sport and nutrition and healthy food and exercise was was just normal for me you know and I know for a lot of people that is just not normal um and I I totally appreciate that um but there's a lot of things that other people find very normal like my dad he didn't teach me how to literally change a plug or change a light bulb (laughs) so my DIY skills I've got zero Hey, you have um, YouTube now. You have YouTube well, you, now. You don't need anything else. That's that's you what can, my there's, a vi- there's a video for everything now, isn't there? YouTube yes, there video is. for everything. Yeah. Awesome. I've got a question. A friend of mine. I was commenting on who I was going to be interviewing today, and he knew your name. Oh. He already knew who you were, and he's like, "Oh yeah, he owns LinkedIn." I'm like, "Are you serious?" He goes, "Oh yeah, he's he's got a crap ton of followers." Sorry, that's one of my favorite. Yeah, no, no, I've got a few. Um, yeah, who, who was that? Do I, do I know who no, was? He just he's someone a friend of Jess Tiffany. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but um, he said, "Yeah, he owns it." And so I'm looking and researching on you, and it's like thirty-nine thousand followers. Good Lord Almighty, you must be still dancing when nobody's looking. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. I thought LinkedIn stopped us at at thirty. Well, you it's, you can have thirty. You can have 30,000 connections, but then what you can do when you get to 30, you can actually change your profile so it only allows people to follow you and you can have unlimited followers. That's so, um, amazing. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I guess I'm, I, yeah, I, I feel very grateful because I've got on LinkedIn properly about three years ago and 
I'll let you into a little secret and it's no secret. I've told all my friends in, in my world, in the weight loss, fitness, nutrition, it's such an untapped market. No one is using LinkedIn like they should. Um, I tell you why, because it's not sexy. Like <laughs> Facebook, although that everyone's over Facebook, the, the gram, everyone's on the gram, aren't they? They're just obsessed by Instagram. It's sexy, it's visual. And LinkedIn has still got this stuffy sort of um, reputation. And I, I even saw, a, I won't mention the name, a what I would call an influencer, and I hate that word in fitness, a guy, you know, he's got a couple hundred thousand followers on Instagram, Facebook. Um, somebody, he did a Q&A on Instagram Live, and someone, a PT, he trains guys like me to do what I do. He's more of a coach within the fitness space. And someone said to him, you know, is LinkedIn worth going, worthwhile? And he said, you know what, you might get the odd client, but don't spend any time there. And I was like, yes, you keep telling all the people in my world, <laughs> But it's not the best place to be. It is by far, by far the number one way Agreed. to get clients B2B or even B2C. It, it does, nothing comes close and it's free. It's all organic as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that once I knew that LinkedIn was the place to be, it, it changed my business model, really. Like I went all in to the point where I get 99.9% .9 of my clients from LinkedIn. Wow, that's fantastic. So you don't want to be formally an influencer since you don't like that word. Who well, here's what I here's what I want, here's what I think. If if you're an influencer, just influence. Mm -hmm. And someone called it. I just I just don't like you know when someone has it in their bio, influencer. What I like it's almost like if you if you were famous, say you were Robert De Niro, and you've got a profile on social media. It's like name Robert De Niro famous actor no you're Robert De Niro we know who you are because you're Robert De Niro you've made some great movies I would like to I would put my name up and say this is what I do and if my videos or my topics or my coaching influence people then they influence people so if you're an influencer just influence don't tell people you're an influencer it's like <laughs> you see what I mean it's like yeah hi, it's hi, aggrandizing. My, my name's Gab I'm an influencer no just go and influence don't tell me you're an influencer <laughs> Sorry for swearing. I, 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 you've probably that's seen some okay. of my videos on LinkedIn. That's what I do. But um, you can bleep that bit out. I'm sorry. That's awesome. Yeah, we're. <laughs> that's great. All right, does, so that gonna... sense, does that make sense? Yeah, about yeah, influencing. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. If you're going to be an influencer, just do it. You know, you don't tell people what you are. It's like. Right. It, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a book. And in the book I'm writing, I challenge you to do this, 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 and this. And I challenge mm. you not to tell anybody you're doing it. You know, that because what my whole purpose is to create brands with social impact. So it's giving acts of kindness and paying it forward and doing good things with your brand as your brand. And absolutely. And if you don't tell people you're doing it, you just show up and do it, then it's a yeah. whole different level of giving than trying to get a pat on the back. Absolutely. So I, I think I that's the same kind of concept. All right. Yeah. Now, here's my big question. All right. I'm a middle aged goat, a little bit heavy. How much would it cost to work with you? Am I allowed to ask that? You can ask that. Um, You're not going to answer it. <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> you can ask that. Um, I, I, here's the thing, and I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I can tell you that, but if I actually told people what I would charge to work, do the 12 weeks, I wouldn't do as well, and I'll tell you why. It's quite expensive. I would bet. Um, but because pe people price shop and I'll tell you what they do in, especially in, it's very, it's, um, I'm trying to phrase this the right way. 
because nearly all other services would clearly state what they charge for their services. And I'll tell you why, because people don't price shop on that. But what happens when, when someone, I get emails every day, messages every day, and um, people say, Gab, I'm interested in your 12 weeks, I want to lose 30 pounds, how much do you charge? When, when I know, when someone says that straight away, they, nine times out of 10, they don't become a client. I'll tell you why. It's because, let's say you throw out a number, they automatically will compare what they think you are to their local service. Now, here's the thing. You can get um, a personal trainer, a good personal trainer, one-to-one, although in COVID, it's not been a, been a problem, hasn't it? But anywhere between 60 bucks and 100 bucks, mm-hmm. a really good one might charge more. So when they break it down, they think, well, hang on, I'm not seeing you at all, and you're going to charge this. But I can see a trainer 20 times in a month, and he's going to charge me a third of what you're trying to charge me. So then trying to have that conversation saying, well, what I'm charging you for is the result rather than dollars per hour. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, you're charging for the experience and the knowledge. Exactly. And the result. I don't care what someone charges me. Like, look, you know, I've paid a lot of money to coaches, as I know you have. And I don't then say, well, Hang on, you only see I'm only seeing you twice a month. I want them to get me a result. So the, the, back to my original point. Right. Um, when someone says what are the price, I already know that they're already they've already got a, a conception of what it's going to be. And when I say the price, most people, nearly everyone says, Oh, I can't afford that. But if I'd got the same person on the phone for an hour, which I spend an hour with a, a potential client, mm-hmm. and I find out what they want, why they want it how they want it, when they want it by, and what's their emotional triggers. I have a lot more clients become clients that I know that they've, they've often said, you know what, it was way more than I thought, but I'm going to do it because I believe you to get me the result. Does that answer right. that question? Yeah. Right. They're basically, like I've built a foundational brand, you're building that foundation for them to to know that they can to make a wise decision. Them. Exactly. I want yeah. them to make a smart decision. And yeah. if I don't have that conversation, nearly everyone, look, I've had multi, multi, multi millionaires in the beginning, I would send them my price. And a guy that has got a hundred grand car and owns a company that's turning over 12 million. He went, Oh, it's way too expensive. How, how can you justify sending that? So what I, well, if someone asked me the price, I'll say, look, Let's get you on the phone. I'll go through everything you want to know. We'll make a decision at the end of the call. How does that sound? Then nearly everyone says, yeah, let's book a call. And then I'll, it's nothing I, I don't want to hide. It's just that if I tell them the price, yes. it's going to repel people that probably would have become a client because they've got a conception of what they think it should be. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. Absolutely. Do you actually give them um, menus and, and recipes and what to eat? Um, we do, but what I would rather give someone is the the knowledge behind them able to make the, their own choices. Like, look, my clients are grown adults. They've got their own companies, their own businesses. They're not stupid. Everyone thinks they want a menu plan. But believe me, it's actually the worst thing to give a client. I'll tell you why. Um, if they, for some reason, if they can't do what's on their menu, it can send people absolutely, oh, my God. I can't get a chicken salad. What do I do? <laughs> I guess I'll have a hot dog. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But if I said to you, Rebecca, I want you to hit this amount of calories and there's a hundred ways 
to do that. And if you can't have that, you can have that, 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 that. And you're in, cho- you're in charge of that. You become empowered. You realize it doesn't matter what business meeting I'm in, if I'm on a flight, if I'm stuck up, you know, the car breaks down, there's options and you become empowered. And then you realize that losing body fat is not sticking to a rigid menu plan. So a lot of clients, they think, they think they need a menu plan, but it's actually the very worst thing that they do need. So, um, no, I would rather show someone how to track their calories, explain how nutrition works, get them to use uh, a tracker on their phone, like they would track their income. We're going to track the calories coming in against the expenditure. And it's a simple equation. If we get the equation right, guess what? You only lose weight 100% of the time, only 100%. So the odds are pretty stacked in your favor. <laughs> All right. I got a question. So do you have like a list or something on your website or that you send out that says, these are the foods you're allowed to eat? You know, these are, these are your choices of things that are your best choices. This is what, why clients like working with me because you can eat every food on my diet plan. There's no food off limits. Awesome. It's about moderation. Again, when you give someone a restrictive, here's the green light, there's the red light. What what is that? The inner child, that inner monkey brain thinks, I want what's on the red lists, right? I want the ice cream. I want the cookies. I want the the pizza. I want the the takeout, you know. But if I say, look, you know what? There's nothing off limits, but we're going to control. Instead of having 14 inches of pepperoni and all of it, you're going to have two slices of pizza, and we're going to put some vegetables or salad with it. How does that sound? They're like, So I still get to eat pizza, but I can still lose weight. Can you see the difference? Can you see the mindset shift? Yeah. Are you using the small plates too? That's a good idea. It's a very good idea. But but what I'm saying is there's nothing off limits. And when clients go, you mean I can lose 30 pounds without eliminating anything? I'm like, absolutely. You don't have to cut carbs. If you want to have a few drinks at the weekend, absolutely. When people restrict carbohydrates, or when they say no drinking, no carbs, or this, this, and this, and five hours at the gym, when it's got this this these set of habits that if they're performed would get results they can't maintain that like who can maintain that when you've got you know husband wife family travel business like yes. we need something that's very simple to stick to and what at the end of the 12 weeks can they maintain that result on their own and if they can't there's a problem so i give people very simple small changes remember these are people that are struggling with the weight and maybe they've really struggled with the weight. They've been on every diet known to man or woman. Um, you, you, you're smiling because you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So- <laughs> I know exactly what you're, I was, I was a beefcake. Well, I mean, from a, from a woman's perspective, I had about seven or eight years where I was working out. I lived on tuna, you know, and I was, there you go. and I looked great and all that, but since kids and home but and working, you go COVID, back to normal life. Exactly. Oh yeah. My gosh. Yeah. It's craziness. So someone like you is incredibly inspiring. And, and I think that people listening to this are really going to love, love what you've had to say and, and probably reach out. I hope they reach out because you seem oh, to thank be a you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you also brilliant. have a podcast, a three it's been three years doing your health, fitness and lifestyle show. And I want to know who Luke is and how uh, you Luke. guys cover everything from skydiving to Turkish hair transplants oh, to self-limiting God. beliefs to coffee enemas. Everything, <laughs> oh, everything and everything in between. And it's quite, I'll be honest, it's um, it's quite, it's X-rated show. We don't pull any punches with the language. Oh, um, I'll tell you what, you know what? And I'm actually upset that we're not doing the podcast at the moment. I, I, I'll tell you the story. Um, so Luke, Luke's, uh, 
Luke's my best friend. Um, known him about 10 years from the city. When I moved to London, started working with one-to-one clients. He was in the same studio with me. We hit it off with great friends. But the podcast really brought us together. I was um, massively influenced by Joe Rogan's podcast. I'm a big <laughs> fan of Joe Rogan. Most most men tend to like Joe Rogan. A lot of women as well, but it's it's quite masculine, isn't it? Yes. Um, but I like him. him and um, what I like about Joe is he does these very long three-hour podcasts, um, but he'll speak with everyone. So he's not down one niche. He'll speak from politician to business owner to the mm-hmm. to a monk to Russell Brand <laughs> to you know. And I love that because I learn a lot from all walks of life. And I said to Luke, "Do you fancy doing a podcast?" Um, but we're going to call it the Health, Fitness, and Lifestyle Show, so we can talk about anything and anything in between. And we only recorded live. And we did the 186 episodes in a year and a half, actually. Now, it's been going three years, but we haven't recorded since last March. We've done no episodes. Yeah, and I I hate that fact because we did 186 episodes in person um, in space of what we would do. And these weren't short podcasts. They were at least 30 to 40 minutes long. I would come down. I'd moved up north. He's in London. And I moved out of London two years ago. So I was coming down to London twice twice a month for two days at a time. And I would book the studio for like four hours one day, four hours the next. And I said, the goal today is 10 podcasts. <laughs> and I swear, this is what we would do. But it worked really well. We would get in the room and we'd, be, we'd have set the mic full set up between table to across the table. Mm-hmm. And he would say, what, have you got any ideas? And we would just say, self-limiting beliefs and he would press record and we just go i know it's like listening to a couple guys in the bar just shooting the breeze exactly but the it worked so well because we were getting emails and reviews for people saying this is like two as you're right just two mates just having a laugh and you know what Mm -hmm. it didn't make us any money as in we didn't physically (laughs) receive money but it was the most fun thing i've ever done in my whole life. More than dancing. Nearly as good as your podcast, Rebecca. <laughs> Nearly as good. And so that's a lot. That's a lot of fun, right? But the, the point is, as you probably can tell, I like to talk. That's great. Um, and Luke, we've just got the same sense of humor. It's very, what we call toilet humor, very basic, very rude, but a bit like 12-year-old like 15? 15, 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very rude, talking about, you know, stuff that, but, I literally would be in stitch. You know, when you laugh so hard, you feel like you're going to wet yourself. I'd be, and you know, when you laugh and there's nothing coming out and you, you, Oh yeah. I would do that every single time we met. And I would travel down from London four hours on the train. I would stay over two nights at a hotel. So it was costing me to do the show, but I would say it was the most important, the best thing we ever did. And then COVID hit, we were just about, our goal was to do another hundred episodes last year. COVID hit and then we tried we did two or three on zoom much as I love being on other people's podcasts what I realized what I loved about our podcast was seeing people face to face Mm. and seeing Luke in the flesh and having the banter um and by the end of the day at 5 6 p.m after we've been on zoom for four or five hours with clients it just wasn't it just didn't have the same connect you know he was in his bedroom I was in my office um it just 
it wasn't connecting like we did live. So right. we just we we stopped it, and um, it's it's kind of stagnated there. But we actually got to number one in, in the UK in nutrition, which really? was quite funny because we talked about everything else but nutrition most of the time. <laughs> But because we were tagged under the, in the nutrition section, yeah, um, we we actually hit number one after Christmas, uh, a thousand downloads a day for about three days in a row, which you know was fantastic. Why? why? You know why? So all of, all of us out there that are trying to lose weight are going, yeah, I'm listening to a nutrition podcast. Really, I am. <laughs> That's it. That's it. But some of the topic, I look back and some of the topics, and I was like, and here's what I love about podcasts: <laughs> it's the only medium where you can actually get out like the stuff those conversations couldn't happen in real life you can't go on radio you can't do tv you, you wouldn't get that in a magazine like an interview so podcasts is you can literally talk about anything um, and put it on the air for thousands and hundreds of thousands millions of people potentially can hear it um but we had so much fun with that so i'm, I'm glad you met you like that um and I'm glad you mentioned Luke. So, Mr. Luke Granger, which episode did you listen to, by the way, or did you oh, just gosh. hear snippets? I don't remember. I was just listening, and I started laughing. I was listening to it while I was driving, so I didn't have notes and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Terrible memory, but it was it was really cute. I thought, man, these are like a couple of guys just shooting the breeze at a bar. That's yeah. it. That? And we wanted that. We wanted that to be like that. And I'd swear, um, we literally didn't take have any. We would say, okay. We did self-limited beliefs last year. I said, what about the five things that people can do to lose fat? And we would just go. I said, you do three, I'll do two. Record. Hey, guys, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Health, Fitness and Lifestyle Show. This is Gab and my co-host. And we would just literally go into it. Um, That's great. So I got we got really good at having that experience and a lot of the guests, we had some really good guests, some top sportsmen. And they said, you know, we love your setup. How long you, you guys have been doing this for years. And we said, well, <laughs> no, we just press record and we go. And by doing 186 episodes, you just get really comfortable in that environment. You sound like one of those people that has the golden touch that everything you, you step out and do. I've got a daughter like that. Everything she does is just fantastic. It's like, what, how in the world do you do so well? All right. I got oh, another question. Thank you. I appreciate that. Questions. Yeah. All right. All right. Every, every business has ups and downs. All right. So is there a mantra or something that you tell yourself, the self-talk to help you get through the rough times? And are you willing to share some of the rough times? I will share some rough times. I'm actually going, I'm coming to the end, bit of an end of a rough period and I'll, really? I'll share it. Yeah. Like, um, let's go back last year weirdly enough through covid business-wise was my best year on the planet but physically and mentally I, I was suffering a little bit and i'll tell you why i had a bit of a niggling injury um in my hips that started showing itself in november 2018 um and it was getting progressively worse throughout 2019 i'd seen chiros doctors osteos, massage therapists. It's just my hip flexors, my lower back, just on fire all day long. And it wasn't why I was called pain. It was more like severe irritation and agitation. And I'd be standing here talking, doing podcast or a call, but you wouldn't know because I'd be me, as you see now, but deep down, I'd be like, it's horrible. Anyway, long story short, um, I only had it diagnosed at the beginning of this year. It's called a gluteal tendinopathy. And what it is, is that the tendons in your hips are slightly torn or um, damaged somehow. So two and a half years I've been suffering with this. Um, I've got some treatment now, but I got actually quite depressed last year. Um, 
and I was drinking a lot, even though I was coaching people to do all the things and on the surface, no one knew. Two or three friends knew, Luke knew, um, wife knew, obviously, a couple other friends. But it was a really dark period of my life. It was probably the worst. It doesn't make sense because I had an amazing business year. Yes. But in personal and mental health, it's the only time and hopefully the last time I was I was definitely depressed for about six months. Um I would get up every morning thinking, if this is what it's going to be like, I don't want it to be like this. And oh. I wasn't going quite as far as as you think, but I had some dark moments in my life. Where I was thinking, you know what? And I was drinking a lot, um, eating a lot of crap food. But then in January, I said, you know what? I need to get myself out of this. Fortunately, got it diagnosed. My mantra from that, the lesson from that, and I'm still not out of the woods because I'm not 100% pain-free, but I'm getting there. Hmm. Well, it's one of those lessons I'd rather not have had that, but you know, I've had the lesson, so I've got to take it for what it is. Um, the mantra. I know. Well, I tell you what, I did, I'm not sure of a mantra, but I tell you what I did do throughout all of this. I think deep down, I knew that I would get through it. Um, so I kept working on myself. I kept, uh, although I was drinking and eating a lot of bad things, I kept working on my mindset. I kept working on my business, knowing that I would eventually get through it. And I kept saying to myself, you can do this. And in January, I said, you know what? No one's going to help me. I'm going to have to dig myself out. What I have learned in life, you've got to take full responsibility for everything that's good and bad in your life. So I realized that because even my friends, they were like, oh, how's your back, you old man? You know, you're an old man. You're getting, you're in your 40s now. This is what happens. So on the surface, it was like a bit jovial. But deep down, it was really affecting me. I said, you know what? No one's going to come to help me. Like, even my mum was like, Gab, wait till you get to 80. Then you start getting some real <laughs> aches and pains. And I was like, well, thanks for the sympathy, mum. But I'd be like, <laughs> no one's going to come and help me. here. I've got to dig myself out of this. So I had to dig deep, get my head down, um, got it fixed. And I'm touch wood heading out of it so I know it didn't really entirely answer your question but it no, hopefully will help with something yeah you did it, you, what your your mantra is very similar to mine mine is if it is to be it's up to me absolutely I agree you know, that, that yeah. I take responsibility and I think I say that like every episode but it's true it's what you have to do in order to get yourself through life but I absolutely, think that's great yeah. that you saw that within yourself it took guts to face it because a lot of people would just run away you know they just say this is who I am oh and they do the self-talk and tear themselves up whereas you went you know what i'm better than this and i'm a gonna couple, go forward a couple of times i'll be i'll be honest when i did get a little bit depressed a couple of times i thought some days i just went you know what if this is it this is my lot this is maybe the way it's going to be i'm not going to be you know mm -hmm. my mind was still saying i'm 20 but my body was physically breaking down but it's not the truth it was that bullshit story that we tell ourselves the self-limiting beliefs managed to break through that so here we well, are my sister is a huge fitness person, always has been, and she's a few years older than I, and she walks every morning and this, that, and the other, and she had to have her stinking hip replaced because of all the exercise she had done. Yeah, I mean, it can actually wear the hip down. So yeah. much, you've, you've worn it out. <laughs> yeah, that's, but, that's, a, that's a real possibility, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, not great, but I mean, it's... It's, it's better that she's got that now. She feel better, does she? Oh yeah, she feels great. So I mean, hopefully yeah. you're you're going to get past that too, and and not let this hold you back, and and it won't cause cause you to doubt yourself. Okay, I'm going to ask a couple more questions, and because I know we're we're running, we're gosh, we're at almost an hour. You are just I so know much fun. 
I know we've been I talking hope, a lot. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. No, um, I've, I've got to be gone in seven minutes because I've got a coaching call. Oh, so gotcha, we can gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. ask me okay. those questions. I'm Just going to skip that one question then. And I'm going to skip that question then. And we're going to go down to the final question. You ready? Final question. If you were arrested with no explanation, what would your friends and family assume you had done? Well, from past exp- past experiences, they'd probably think I'd been uh, doing shopping in the high street with no clothes on. <laughs> uh, no, only because of my stripping past. <laughs> <laughs> I, was I hope that's not recent. <laughs> Arrested for that's a good question. Never been asked that one, and that literally came to my head. So, um, probably right. they would probably think a few of my friends would roll their eyes and go. What's he done this time? You know, <laughs> not that I've ever been arrested, but they probably wouldn't think it was um, unusual. They'd probably say, oh, it's about time your buddy got arrested for the way he is. <laughs> so there we are. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thanks for being here. Let's go. Um, if someone's listening, wants to take the next step, they want to lose weight with you, they want you to be their coach, what do they need to do? The best place to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm lurking there every single day. It's my biggest platform. All my best content videos go on there. So that mm-hmm. I that's LinkedIn. Failing that, they could come to the website, gabgillibrand.com. Um, or they could, the first thing, I get a lot of clients through my book, ah. the, the GHG method. Um, it's basically all my coaching and ideas and philosophies in the written form, but without the coaching. So a lot, I'll be honest, I got a lot of clients that read this and say, you know what, Gab, I want to come and work with you. Because I, 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 inf- information is good, but what it doesn't do is give you implementation. So that's what the coaching does. So there's the three points of calls. That's the ghgmethod.com. But probably LinkedIn is the quickest way. Like I'll be, I'll be on there pretty much all day when I'm not working with clients. Well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on here. And hopefully uh, we'll talk again and we'll go ahead and sign off. But thank you again for uh, talking to me across the pond here. And hopefully you get a few calls. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of the story behind our success. If you are a successful six-figure entrepreneur or an inspirational speaker who would like to be on this program, please visit neonlizardcreative.com slash podcast slash apply. If we're inspired by this interview, we would be honored if you would share it on social media and even rate it. Your thumbs up rating goes a long way to promote the show. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them, let them know. Hashtag story behind our success. And don't forget, opt in on the website so you don't miss an episode. We have some fantastic guests on the docket. And if you want to know more, check out neonlizardcreative.com. See you next time.